This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geek show number 472, recorded on December 10th, 2020. Here on Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets that find their way into your home. News reviews, product updates, and conversation, all for the average tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Carlson, broadcasting live from the Average Guy.tv studios. Here in a snowy or soon-to-be snowy, Mike, I, I hear we're talking three to five maybe over the weekend. Have you heard that? Yeah, I got the advisory alert. on. Well, I hadn't heard it. And then I got the weather advisory alert. And I was like, what? It's supposed to snow? And yeah, apparently it's supposed to be a lot of snow. Well, three to five is not that much for Nebraska, and it's coming on a Saturday, I think Friday night. It, it starts Friday night at, at uh, rush hour. Is that even a thing anymore? Yeah. Dude, especially Fridays. Are people really still commuting at 5 o'clock? Rushing from Friday? my dining room table to my couch. <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't, hey, I was out, uh, let's see, which which day was I out uh, this week? Today's Thursday. So maybe I was out Tuesday uh, picking something up, and it was just as busy as it, I've ever seen it here. So I, you know, I know there's some states that are struggling right now. And I know there's some states that have gone into lockdown and curfews have been uh, initiated and some of those things, not in Nebraska. So it's, it's alive and well, Mike, I, I don't know. We, we do have good mask coverage out there, but it is, man, I'm seeing a lot of traffic. So we got some snow coming for the weekend. We also have some show notes coming for you. And Mike has some great show notes this week. So you want to head out to the average guy.tv slash HGG four seven two for this one. And uh, there'll be some links that you're going to want to follow as well. Big thanks to, uh, to, and, and big thanks for the support that we get over at hover. So if you head out to the average guy.tv slash hover, if you think you're interested in buying a domain, even if you bought them from some of those other crappy places, you, you might want to consider next time you go to buy a domain, give hover a try. They're uh, you know, they're, they're just a great place to put like easy, simple, no nonsense. They don't try to upsell you on anything in as inexpensive as any other place. And you get $2 off your first domain. So head over to the average guy.tv slash hover, get $2 off that domain and then partner it with a new website from Maple Grove partners. Of course, Christian last week was on the show and talked a little bit about it. If you missed that show, it was our 10th anniversary show and so you might want to catch it. MapleGrovePartners.com. Plans start as little as 10 bucks, and uh, Christian will get you up and running in no time. MapleGrovePartners.com. Speaking of Christian, big thanks to Mike. Well, big thanks to Mike. Yeah, because he's here <laughs> with me right now. Andrew and Christian. Man, too much red wine but at dinner. Uh, big thanks to those two guys. Christian and Andrew came on and joined us for the 10th anniversary show last week. Mike, I went back and listened to it again. I'm going to say it. It was pretty good. Yeah, I just did a great it was job. a fun one to be a part of. Yeah, you guys did a great job. Covered a lot of different topics, stuff I don't think we all plan to get into, but ended up having a good time. No, it was fun. It it was kind of a combination of a little reminiscing, a little bit of nostalgia, but some really good information. Kind of, we talked a bunch about storage. Yep. Uh, you know, we talked about uh, where we're putting stuff in the cloud, how we're using the cloud, some of our home server stuff. We, Andrew, at the end of it, like threw this out like into the wind with like five minutes left. You said. Hey Andrew, what are you using for home automation? He went home assistant, and then, and then I didn't I didn't hear another word about it. And all of a sudden, this weekend, you start going nuts on home assistant. So we're going to spend most of the show talking about that. I'm just going to be honest with folks. Uh, we'll get that here to to that in just a second. But big thanks, Christian, Andrew, and really everyone who contributed. We had some great voicemails. 
I got some nice notes. John, uh, John Biggs sent me a note. I didn't get a chance to read it on the show. Uh, John apologized for that, but thanks for that nice note of uh, that, that congratulatory back slapping as we say, and, uh, and appreciate John that, that note. It was, it was very, very nice of you, Mike, uh, year 10 week one, we got like, okay, here's the next 10. We can't rest anymore. Uh, it's time to get down to business as we think about it. Um, gonna be honest with you. I, I would first, when you got into this, I was like in discord, I was like, damn it, Uyghur. Like now I'm getting <sighs> like, I, this is the last thing I wanted to do. But, uh, so I got in my unread box. We'll talk about this to here in a second. I got into my unread box and got it set up. I, I really kind of enjoyed it. You went crazy. <laughs> Talk about it. Yeah. Well, okay. So the problem was he mentioned something when I didn't have a pro like I was out of tech projects. I didn't know what to do. Like I had just done a new install on ham radio. And so I was like, oh, home assistant. Like I I remember looking at home assistant a long time ago. And I could be remembering wrong. Maybe it was the setup process, something about it. Just I, you know, I I looked at it, Googled it, played around, I was like, eh, no, I, I don't really need it. But uh, you know, really with Unraid. And how easy it is to install Home Assistant, either via Docker or VM. He was talking about it. And so after that show, I have seen up till 2 a.m. playing with this stuff. It's super easy to get installed. And then here's what got me, Jim. I, I fired up Home Assistant. It's super easy to get installed. I fired it up. And it has on the intro of it, it's like, hey, we found, we're suggesting these integrations because we found these devices on your network. And for me, I didn't realize how many different brands and how many smart items I already had in my house. Because for me, I was like, oh. And then it instantly clicks. Like, because I think it's perfect that they show you that. Because if you had to do all that manually, it wouldn't really click with you. When it showed me all those different brands, I'm like, ah, okay. So the whole pitch on Home Assistant is kind of being the one hub for all of your different brands, all the different ecosystems in your house. It can bring it all together. And when I saw all those... And then I said, okay, yeah, add those integrations. Let's see what you find. And it gave me like, and I can't remember how many devices I have in my home, but it gave me a lot. I was like, okay, let's, let's start playing with this a little more. Let's, let's see what this has, has to offer. And that was the, that was the hook. And that's why, yeah, for the past week, Jim, I have been living, breathing, playing with, breaking, fixing, um, driving my wife somewhat nuts, but also making her very happy with with home assistant i love the comment you made i think it was on discord about flirting with your wife via some kind of integration yes. <laughs> i was sending her push notifications from home assistant with little love messages so she was getting a push alert from some app she didn't even know she had on her phone because i installed it on her phone four and didn't tell her and she and so all of a sudden she's getting like hey beautiful how's it going and I, it might have been confusing luckily i signed it your husband because I think she would have been a little freaked so out. Now we can hear. Now Michael, someone hacked the network. Right. Me flirty messages. Yeah. What is this Home Assistant app? I, I deleted it right away. It's probably a. It's probably a dating app, and someone's saying they're my husband. I think we got hacked, and someone's she, trying to hit on me. She liked it. Oh, that's great. Talk a little bit. It was fun. It it was actually, um, you know, the the Discord group kind of lit up over the weekend, which was yeah. fun. Um, in you know, I kind of like it that way, where it gets really busy, and it kind of settles down. And it gets busy and it settles down where it's just not busy all the time because it's hard to keep up with. It is. I agree. Now time. we have our trends almost. It's almost like we get on a topic. We have some fun. You know, people can still talk about it. But yeah, you're right. It's because I am part of a lot of Discord servers, but I don't check in with them often because there's just so much. Mm -hmm. You know, and every time you ask a question in one of those, they're like, oh, scroll up like 
three days ago we talked about that. I'm yeah, like, well, that's that's like a thousand messages ago. Dude, I can't you know? get I can't get through all those right uh, through all those messages. Um, I think we spent some time talking about uh, plugs too this weekend. Why are you know uh, why enable plugs and yep. we're looking for some energy ones that tracked energy versus the ones that didn't. So. Of course, Schoonover's throwing deals out there. If you want to join us in the Discord group, theaverageguy.tv slash Discord will get you there and I'll, um, I'll kind of let you in. Mike, um, I chose, I, I went the Unraid route just because uh, I had just reset up my Unraid box after doing some work to it, tore it down, put br- all brand new drives back into it. And I thought, oh, I'm going to set this up again. So I plugged the USB drive in, turned it on, and it came to life. And it was like, hey, I remember exactly where we're at. Oh, you have new drives. And so I had to, I had to go through kind of the process of renaming some things and moving some stuff around and it's fine. I didn't have any data to worry about it. So that made it easier. You kind of want a different route. So um, the, I'll talk about the Unraid route here in a little bit, but, uh, but Docker, no, we both did Unraid. You yes, did both Docker. Unraid, but yeah. you did it differently than I, I did. Yep. Talk a little bit about that. Well, so when I looked into it, I actually did your route first, Jim, when I was on the show last week, Andrew mentioned it and I just quickly went over to Unraid, looked at, cause you know, with you have the community app, uh, plug in to Unraid Super. It's like an app store. I typed in Home Assistant, saw that it was there, and I downloaded it so that after the show I could play with it so I wouldn't forget. So I went back and I actually I brought up that instancing and got it running. And then I, I was doing a lot of YouTube videos that night. It's like, hey, what are the first things you should do with Home Assistant? Kind of some recommendations. And one of them was a plug in to easily edit the config file. And they said you can only do like, and I was like, wait, I don't have that tab. Why don't I have that tab on mine? Further research showed me that do- the Docker version works and you can definitely run it in Unraid from the community apps, but that gives you what's called a Home Assistant Core, uh, which works. It'll do all the same stuff except for you can't do add-ons. And maybe there's a back-end way to do add-ons, but you don't get the tab to add the approved add-ons from Home Assistant. And there's some other stuff too, because you don't really run Haas.io. You're running the Home Assistant Core, which is just a little bit different. So I was I was early enough in the process that I nuked that and I decided to go the actual VM route because for Home Assistant, actually what they recommend, if you'd go to the Home Assistant website and you say you want to get started with this, they recommend a Raspberry Pi. That's like they're out of the gate. Everyone should run on a Raspberry Pi. And I would say for our community, if you don't have an always-on computer, uh, it, it's the cheapest route to get Home Assistant up is to just go buy a Raspberry Pi 4. I think for like 80 bucks, you can be up and running with that. Small, low power consumption is the biggest thing with the Raspberry Pi that I love. So that's the recommended route, just so everyone knows. But if you have Unraid or if you have a, any sort of server that runs virtual machines, you can also spin up um, Home Assistant. It, it can be super low power. I mean, if you're gonna sure, just an extra piece. This of thing it. does not need much power at all. You can you can install Unraid on it. I, that that would still be my recommendation is for folks put it on a USB drive, install Unraid, throw throw a drive or two at it. You can you can do a really stripped down version of Unraid. You don't have to be running Parity and Cache and all those other right. Things. No, if you do. But but then it makes it super easy to kind of get into as well. Can you hear it, my wife? I swear there's a battle going on an MC. I can't. Okay, good. All right. She's, I don't know what's going on behind me, but she is crushing it over there. Thanks. <laughs> I appreciate that. Talk to more about your setup. So, so you went the Docker route. I went, and again, so I did that, wiped it. I went the VM route and Unraid can run VMs super easy. I found a fantastic short video that shows how to get the, cause the image they give you from home assistant, you actually need to convert it to a different file format to easily run. So I put the video in the show notes. Um, it's from YouTube. It's a five minute video. You can literally have the VM running up. I would say, 
you know, if the Docker gets installed in about 30 seconds, the VM, if you watch this video, you're up and running in about two and a half minutes. Um, there are simply two command line and he gives you the exact command line. I will preface if you're watching his video, just make sure you edit his command um, because the version, the latest version of Haseo has a different name to it. So you'll just have to swap out like 0.16 instead of like 0 0.0 or whatever. Um, so make two changes, run those. He gives them to you. You can literally copy and paste into the command line in Unraid and you're up and running. So uh, five minutes, you're up and running there with the VM. And with the VM, you do get all of the add-ons and everything like that. And you don't need to throw much processing power at this. I threw one core at it and two gigs of RAM and it is fine. I mean, it barely even hits 25% of that allocation um, on both. And it, it works really well. It's one of the few things that you can do these days that doesn't take right. resources, right? Yeah. Uh, okay. I can't, it's, this is killing me. But I, so I got to show you. Let me, let me add this back in. So this is, <laughs> this is my uh, home assistant. And you can see right here. This just told you why she's why she's laughing. She, yeah. She's watching something on Disney Plus. So just a second. Let's just do this. Let's pause it. Hey, it's Thursday night. You're a little loud. Or is she watching The Masked Singer down below? That's well, what no. I was looking at. No, she's watching Disney Plus for sure. Okay. So turn it back on for That is funny. <laughs> so that, that that's kind of cool, right? I mean, yeah. Kind of control that. And, and oh, I thought that was her coming to throw us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but yeah no um uh, uh pretty cool to be able to to just have that kind of control this kind of visibility and i right. know there's other ways to do this but it was just a great way to uh to show that all right sorry i interrupted you keep going no that's fine so once you get it up and running actually jim was showing exactly what i was going to talk about first was it gives you a default dashboard and it actually it's funny it doesn't let you edit this dashboard unless you say yes i want to lose the automatic control of this dashboard so i would actually suggest just keep this main dashboard and let it maintain and be automated you can always create other dashboards um, but what this one does is it pulls absolutely everything in to this dashboard and as you add more and more to home assistant this overview dashboard that it gives you gets updated. And this is one thing I love about Home Assistant. So I think, you know, maybe we missed the boat on talking about why you should install Home Assistant, right? Like what what are the benefits to installing it? A lot of us have A Lady, a lot of us have Google Assistant. Like what is the benefit? And I was going to talk about this later, but maybe it's more important to talk about it up front. Yeah. Yeah, go For ahead. me, you know, I I actually you can, but I do not link A Lady and Home Assistant. They can be linked. But to me, they're, they're almost two separate ecosystems that are very complementary to each other. For me, A-Lady is my voice commands, right? When we're walking around the house, when we're saying certain things, when we are in bed and we say, we tell her good night, that is how I interact. Um, I, I don't, we're not based on a time schedule at this house. We go to bed at all different times. So I can't automate times, things like that. I need to be able to talk and have it be when I need it. And we have A-Ladies all around the house. So for me, both systems have access to the same devices in the house, but I don't I don't feel the need to connect the two. So for me, A Lady again is voice commands and that's what she runs. Home Assistant for me is the back end automations. Think of things like, and I know you can do this in Alexa, but you can actually do a lot more in Home Assistant. Like at sunrise and sunset, turn on and off certain devices. When, you know, and there's a bunch of automations. And the thing about Home Assistant is it can cross boundaries of ecosystems. So with a trigger. So, right, your garage door goes up, turn on certain lights. 
with Alexa, that's not possible. With you can't just say it doesn't. It's not always monitoring all of those different devices in your house. Whereas Home Assistant is, and your garage door is my Q brand. Your lights are Wise or Philips Hue or whatever. It doesn't care. It knows everything about all the smart homes. So anything can trigger anything else, and anything can be a condition for anything else. So for me, Home Assistant is number one. The backend automations that run. And also it's dashboarding. I love the dashboards this creates. Number one for control when you're sitting around a computer, but this is perfect for an always on tablet. If you have a tablet sitting around that you just don't use very much, um, perfect use case to put it on the kitchen counter and run Home Assistant and make your own dashboard. So I made a separate dashboard just for my iPad. The script it fits perfectly. It's super easy to make. And I put the important stuff on there. So I put our home calendar. So our family calendar I plugged in. So when you walk by, you can just see if any of us in the family have stuff going on that day. The three main cameras, I don't need all the cameras. I need the front door and the garage to make sure the garage is closed and who's at the front door. That's all I care about. And then I put the temperatures of each room. My wife is very addicted to seeing if the boy's room is too cold at night. So as she walks by, oh, there you go. Someone's out there. Jim, someone's breaking into your car. No, that was me bringing in dinner. <laughs> oh, okay. No, it shows the last video. Um, but so that's, I, I think those two are different. And I think that's a reason to get into Home Assistant. And I will say, if you're even just hesitant, if you have a weekend, I didn't even consider all the possibilities of all the automations that make my life great until I got in there and had the capability to do it. And you're like, oh, wait, because what I didn't know is like, okay, Simply Safe, all of my sensors are now sensors that I can use to trigger other things in other ways. So I have a security system that has door sensors on all the doors. Now I will say Simply Safe is very delayed with their cloud ping because they don't have local polling, but That's you get what I mean, right? Like you will not realize what you can use for triggers of other things until you get it up and running. It's going to be cloud integrated. So you're going to, if if you have- On some these, things, yeah. If you have a service and it's connecting to the cloud, like Ring, right. you're kind of dependent on what's happening in the cloud at that point. So yep. you know, there are some dependencies. Mike, it it does. It's a lot like the Hubitat. So when, yes. you know, I had some questions early on, like, hey, you know, Home Assistant or Hubitat. Well, it kind of depends on what kind of, what you want to do. I mean, definitely Hubitat has got that developer feel. Like if you write code and you like doing that, now Hubitat's kind of easy too, but I found a lot more, I was doing a lot more code stuff. You you got into editing YAML files and some of those other kinds of things. You don't have to. No. I think it's helpful, but I found a home assistant a lot easier just to set up in the one night, two hours, yeah. I connected everything. And right. I was like, holy crap, this was actually really, really easy. And then to make the integrations. To be fair to both uh, Amazon and Google, they are making strides in this area to make those integrations happen on their apps. So if you log into that to the A-Lady app on your phone or on the, the Google Home, I guess I shouldn't say that G word either. Um, I guess I have to say, hey, G word to make that actually work. But they're making some strides. When I go into the, the Google Home app, and and add devices, it, th there's a lot there. And there's a lot on the A-Lady side too. But this really gets everything. I mean, it does. It's, it's pretty incredible. It gets everything. And it also, you know, for me, I'm not, my number, a benefit for me is all LAN, right? No need for cloud, no need and better security. That's a benefit to me. It's not my main priority. But if it is your top priority, 
and you want to get, I have this on order. I'm really excited. If you just want to get like a Zigbee stick, plug it into your home assistant box and then have a bunch of Zigbee devices around, you've never touched the internet and everything could be local for you if you wanted to. And a lot of this stuff, the great part about it running home assistant is it is local. So uh, a lady and Google will always go to the cloud. Number one, to respond to what you just said. And so that's a little bit of lag. Whereas, you know, for me, T for example, TP-Link, I'm a huge fan now of TP-Link products because their integration with Home Assistant is local polling. And you can look at every integration and see what it does. Is it pulling from the cloud every time or is it locally able to do all the commands? And TP-Link right now is all local. And so I actually went out uh, this weekend and I ordered a ton of the TP-Link wall switches, right? I know, Jim, we were talking about you with a common, without a common wire, it's a little bit more difficult. Uh, but I do have the common wire in my home. So I put a bunch of those in. For example, in my kitchen, I have nine overhead can lights. Well, I'm not going to pay $20 a bulb and put in smart bulbs for all nine. But I replaced, and Amazon had them on sale, 13 bucks for that TP-Link switch. And now that entire kitchen is smart and able to be done with Home Assistant. So, you know, putting up and I'm talking about the Zigbee sensors, I got a Zigbee motion sensor for the kitchen too. So if you walk in there and if it's past, if the sun is below the horizon is my automation, then it's going to turn those kitchen lights up just to like 25% or 10%. So when you walk in for that late night snack, you know, the kitchen just automatically comes up a little bit. And then after no activity, they turn back off. Never have to worry about anything. Um, and, and it works really well. But so talking about just to give you guys a sense of the integrations. So for me, when I first turned on Home Assistant, here are the ones that I came up with that are built into Home Assistant, like the integration's already there. Belk and Wemo. And this, these are the ones that it said are in my homes. These are what I'm using. Belk and Wemo, Ecobee, Google Cast, which is if you have any of the Google Home devices. Um, Hacks, which is the one I, I targeted, the Home Assistant Community Store. That was an ad and I added. Um, I don't even know how to say this one. Meteorologisk is the built-in weather and sun uh, integration that it gives you. Mobile app for the iPhone and Android, which is actually really cool. It pulls a bunch of sensors. You can do triggers on, hey, did I plug my phone in? So if, if you go to plug your phone in during a certain hour, you could tell it to trigger something. So at night, if you know you always like, hey, but if I plug in my phone between 8 p.m. and 1 a.m., know that I'm probably going to bed and trigger the going to bed automation. So it pulls a lot of stuff from the phone. I think those are showing up here for me. Uh, Looks like they might be. Couldn't tell you which ones right now. It's just too small for me to see that far away. The other thing the pandemic's done, it's really messed up my vision. Like I desperately need to get my eyes checked. <laughs> so, um, cause I'm having trouble with that, with the small print over there, but yeah, no, the, uh, the iPhone integration was pretty cool. And it doesn't drain the battery. I was really worried about draining the battery. Uh, I will say if you want full feature from that, make sure you turn your location services to always that sounds like it's going to always be pulling and draining your battery. It, it, it doesn't. It does a pretty smart job on it. Uh, MyQ for my garage door. ONVIF for compatible ONVIF security cameras. If you're into IP security cameras, you know what that is. Philips Hue, Plex, Roku, Simply Safe, and TP-Link. So all those integrations were just ready for me to go. Meaning, and an integration with Home Assistant means it's one click, right? It's, yes, that's the brand I'm using. It finds them on the network and you're good to go. Home Assistant, though, you can add a bunch more in because they have like their generic settings. So like for cameras, I have a bunch of cameras that aren't ONVIF. Well, Home Assistant has a camera module. You just have to do a little bit more in the configuration file. So you have to go in the configuration file, say, I have a camera. Here's the IP address. Here's the stream URL, blah, 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 blah. Put that. It's not just one click. 
but it has the ability to pull all that in. Jim, for you on integrations, did it find any that I didn't list? Anything oh, that you're using? Let's take a look as we jump in there. And I, I think, um, let's take a look at those. It actually, oh, well, those that's a TV. That's my son's TV. Yeah. It's <laughs> out there. Uh, and so I didn't, I did not connect it. I could have. It was like, hey, go to the TV and put this code in. I was like, nah, I'm not going to mess with it right now. Google Cast, Home Assistant, uh, iOS. Uh, oh, this is actually, this was cool. This just happened yesterday. So it connects to the printer. It's got that internet printer protocol, kind of that, that, that where you can see. And yeah, you can get this on the app. This works on the app too. But if I go to the overview here, it shows me how much ink is left in my printer. And so when I looked at it the other day and I was like, holy cow, the black ink's down to 20%. I just put a brand new one in there. Well, Sarah's been home, uh, working from home and been printing. She needs to print for her job. And she just rolled through one of our one of our cartridges, which is basically, I mean, it's, printer ink's more expensive than like uranium. So, yeah. you know, it, so she rolled through it. So I had to, I was, I was like, well, can you make it the rest of the day? She's like, it would be helpful if I had one. So I, I had to run down to Walmart and pick up a new one. But the, uh, uh, this was really, really helpful. What happened, and I don't know what integration did this, but uh, A-Lady also let me know that my printer ink was getting low. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And I don't, I was like, ooh, where did I, where did I enable that? I'm pretty sure I only enabled it here in. Now, did she give you an option to order it? Because that would yeah. be genius. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. Because I was going to say. Order. The automation I would make is, hey, if I leave the house, because it knows where your phone is, if I leave the house um, and my ink is below 10%, send me a notification saying, hey, while you're out, grab ink. So like, I would have that set up as an automatic auto automation. And then it would, I know it would do it every time because I wouldn't do it the first time, but it would be a reminder every time I left the house, like, oh, I'm already out. Let's stop and grab that ink. It's below 10%. Yeah. Well, and that's something you can do. Super no, easy in Home Assistant. Kind of, you can kind of see it. Kevin makes a good point on this. He says the majority of my switches, devices, and sensors are Z-Wave and Zigbee. Seems like there's lots of questions around compatibility between Z-Wave and Zigbee sticks and Home Assistant. Kevin, I would say, like, if, if you haven't set this up yet, I'd give it a try before you, because like, there's so much different IoT stuff out there. Well, yeah, yeah. and they've added an integration to make it super easy for uh, Zigbee and Z-Wave. So the integration actually is super simple. Yeah. You get, you plug in the stick, uh, run, and I'll let you know how this goes. I actually, so just here's some words of advice. I found a YouTube video of a guy who was, he's like, I want to try out Zigbee. So he found the same stuff on Amazon on AliExpress. Now you're gonna have to wait like two months probably. I ordered it. We'll see when it comes in. Um, the $40 USB stick for Zigbee, three bucks on AliExpress. And then I got some sensors for $6 on AliExpress that were $20 on Amazon. So I was like, yeah, same exact ones. And, you know, all of my stuff lives on a segregated subnet that doesn't have access to the internet. So I'm like, why not? You know, why not put it on there? Um, but I grabbed those. But, you know, you can grab the full price ones too. But the setup is super easy. There's an integration. You say Zigbee or Z-Wave. And it reckon, then you tell it where USB device is the stick. And then it'll, you just, you know, find it. It'll search and find those devices in your own. Pretty cool. Now, I, I don't, compatibility may be true. You might want to Google, like, if you're just getting into this, like, what is the best stick for Home Assistant? But I know it works pretty well right now. Mike, the Hubitat dashboard, let me bring that up really quick, just since we're talking about it. Um, not, you know, not that much different. Like, 
I didn't realize as I was looking at Home Assistant, I was like, oh, this looks familiar, blah, 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 blah. And then I was going, and so it's like, oh, you know, I had unplugged, I was having some network issues with the ring cams. And so I was unplugging things in the house just to see what was causing the problem. Like you running around looking for interference. Yes. Uh, for your, radio. Doing something very similar. And so I had unplugged the Hubitat device and had not plugged it back in. I was like, oh, that's right. I unplugged the thing. So I plugged it back in, fired it back up. It's interesting. Uh, you know, this is the look for Hubitat. Uh, so if you're listening to audio, sorry, bear with us just for a minute. And then when you look over, you know, square boxes, uh, buttons, sliders, those kinds of things. I do. I give actually a home assistant a a better grade. I give it, you know, a 95 where I would give Hubitat maybe an 85 just because Hubitat is kind of Spartan in some of its look. I mean, it still has sliders. It still has colors. You can turn things on and off uh, this way as well. Um, but, but Home Assistant just looks better. Like some of the integrations yeah. it does with the, with the, you know, the audio, like I just turned on, behind me here, what I call the tag back screen, which is it just plays a four-hour video of the album art for the show on this TV right here. And it kind of brings that forward. That's kind of cool. On Hubitat, it would just be square box with a little play button. Yeah. So, Hubitat kind of reminds me of like if one of us was trying to just throw together some HTML to get it to show up on the screen. Oh, so we've got it to work and good. Whereas it's a little more refined with Home Assistant. Well, okay. I don't. I, we've had the guys from Habitat on the program, and I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to smash it because it's good. Like there's a lot of great code behind. Oh yeah, the service is great. Just like the dashboard. I'm just talking like the view of it. The service is still fantastic. It's pretty Spartan, but on a it looks. If you were on a tablet and you want to set that up as a tablet and have put uh, you know touch sensitive, that's kind of what they've set it up for, and it works in that environment. But yeah, if you didn't try Habitat when we were talking about it. You definitely got to try an instance of, of Home Assistant. Like, it's free. You don't need much hardware. Yeah. It's really easy to set up. It's kind of fun. And setting up the devices in Hubitat, going through the various integrations. Now, it's been a couple months since I've done an integration. But it was some kind of complicated steps. And I felt like I needed to be a developer. You know, the way it was laid out, it was like a bunch of Google developers had made it. <laughs> you know, you're kind of like... right. Uh, where do I got to go and what do I got to do with, with home assistant a little bit easier, you know, a little more intuitive. I thought a little more average guy, just to be honest. Right. And, and that's what I'm trying to wonder is like Hubitat feels like it's almost like back in the day of Android versus iPhone where iPhone looked really pretty, great user interface. But if you really want to nerd out and geek out, you went to Android and it might be some of the same stuff. I don't know. Home Assistant might have that capability too, where you can really nerd out, geek out, and get really dirty. Hubitat kind of seemed like it had that capability. Like if you want to roll up your sleeves and have some fun, uh, you can do that in Hubitat. Very right? nerdy. I think yeah. you can get even more nerdy on Hubitat. That's than what I, exactly. Yeah. So it might I mean, be that might be like the power user really want to get in yeah. and, and mess with stuff. Right on. One of the things, one of the integrations we didn't talk about, you don't have that I do, is the Bitdefender box. Oh, and Yeah. Talked a little bit about this on uh, uh, in the Discord group as well. These boxes up here, I've got kind of throughput, and you know, I, I'm getting a bunch of sensors off that box. That, to be honest, I don't even get in the app. Like, I don't, I don't get in the app what I'm getting here on Home Assistant. That was one of the things I'm like, I, I it's like, hey, we found a Bit Defender box, and I was like, 
okay, <laughs> go in there, find it. And, and then it brings back all these sensors of what it's doing. So I need to dig into it a little bit and I, and I kind of want to learn how to make these sensors look a little bit better. That's kind of one of the thing. They're just these round circles up here that's got numbers in them. So I can kind of see, let me see if I can find one here. I've got a bunch of weather stuff that's kind of nuts in there, but mm, am I going to be able to find it? Oh, it's down. It's right down here. So I can click those open and there's kind of the Bitdefender send, which it's not available anywhere. Right. Like, their app, not on their website. You can't find that anywhere. So I've kind of found a new, for the Bitdefender box, I've kind of found a new way to monitor it. Well, and that's what I found too, is like, even with like Simply Safe, for example, like all the information you get from those sensors is actually usable. And like the open, close, the the glass break, the, all that stuff can just trigger a bunch of different things. And you've kind of opened up the door. Same thing with Ecobee, right? If, you know, let's say you had a fan in your room and you wanted to turn that fan on, instead of turning the whole AC unit on, we said, hey, if it gets hot in here in the summer, just turn the ceiling fan on, right? That's what you can do with like, if you have Ecobee powered with Home Assistant, is that one temperature sensor from Ecobee can now trigger you know, something else in your home, like a ceiling fan, right? Which is something I'll probably definitely do in the summertime is set up that automation. Why not? Like, I don't need to run the whole air conditioning system. I have fans in the main areas I'm in. Let's turn on those on first. And then if it, and then you could even go even further with the automation of turn that on, run it for 15 minutes. If the temperature is still not X, Y, Z after 15 minutes, then kick the AC on. So you can start to get really advanced with those automations, so, you know, talking about some of the automations, I kind of want to give you guys some examples of things that I've done, just a few of them. So a few of my favorites is, so <laughs> when I had to replace my garage door um, a few months ago, the whole garage door broke, the, the the gear on it actually totally went out. And it was funny that I replaced it with a smart garage door because it's really all that was available. And a good thing I did because now I have it with Home Assistant. So I, I replaced the garage door. It only came with one garage door opener. So I put that in my wife's car. Another one was like 40 bucks. I'm like, I am not spending, this is a smart garage door, but I'll just use the app every time. It's super annoying to open up your phone, find the app, hit the button every time you come home and leave instead of just tapping a button. So what I did was, you know, I obviously it knows where your home is and you have your phone with you. So you set a certain radius around your house. Every time I cross that barrier and come home, it opens up my garage door. And I tell you, I have got it dialed in to like the garage door is just getting open enough as I'm pulling through it's not open too early. Not, I don't have to wait for the garage. And so I set that up. And then on the reverse side of that, I have an NFC tag because now it supports NFC tags. I stuck that to my visor. And so when I, I did not want to do an automation for closing the garage door. Now, obviously the garage door isn't going to close if a sensor's being blocked. But what if I like parked a car right there? The sensor's clean. I did not want an automation for closing. So what I did was just put an NFC tag. So I tap my phone when I leave and it does on iOS, you do have to, it pops up and you have to click it. But then, but then it's done. I don't have to search for an app. I don't have to do any of that. That's what closes my garage door. So that's a really good one for me. Uh, if the garage door is open for more than 10 minutes, it sends a push notification to my wife and I saying, hey, the garage door was open for more than 10 minutes. Just so we know, like sometimes it's on purpose, sometimes it's not. I went to hockey. This, this is where that wife acceptance factor really comes in. Went to hockey and she goes, did you leave the garage door open just to test your new automation? I'm like, no, why? And she goes, because I got an alert. And then I went and closed it. And it was actually open. I'm like, Perfect. That's exactly why I set it up because it was open. Neither of us knew it was open. And uh, then you went and closed it, it went, so which worked really well. Um, 
sunrise and sunset, certain lights come on, go off. That's, you know, that's not too complicated. You can do that in Alexa too. Um, sorry, a lady, stop listening. Um, <laughs> you can do that in a lady as well, but I like that you can do offsets with it and you can trigger a lot of different things with it. So I have certain lights come on when the garage doors opened for us. Um, the, hallway lights if after sunset so that's the other thing i love about it. there's conditions to the stuff too like so yeah so when the garage comes up if the sun is below the horizon is how it kind of works in home assistant then the hallway lights by the garage come up to just 50 percent, and then after 10 minutes they turn back off so it's just that you know you're coming in with groceries at night you're coming in with something you come in because we do not our hallway light is not close to where we come into the garage door so those garage door lights just come up just a little bit and then 10 minutes later, they'll turn off. It also turns on my living room, but I have that leave the living room on because I assume if we're coming into the house, we're usually in our living room for a decent amount of time. We can turn those off manually or with our good night uh, routine through A-Lady that we run every single night, she turns those off for us. So I'm not too worried. So that turns those on and off. I, you could also, or or this is what I how I would set it up, is to flash a light. So if the garage door is open after sunset, yeah, flash a light. You know, for me, it might be this light that's right here and it yes. would just flash and I'd be like, okay, oh, I left the garage door open. I need to go out there and get that, uh, you know, I need to get that closed. So that's could be another integration, just a reminder. If you have colored hue lights, you could say, turn, you know, turn the colors red so that I know I've left the garage door open. I Listen, I can't tell you how many times I've left the garage door open. Yeah, same here. I've been really fortunate. Never have anything stolen out of it, but. Um, those kinds of alerts I think could be helpful. Like, you know, I, I, I have the same routine. I get up from the computer, I go up into the kitchen, uh, uh, take my evening meds and, you know, get ready to go to bed. Well, turn the kitchen lights red, you know, at this point to be like, Hey, idiot, <laughs> garage door is still open. Yeah. So there's some things there too. And you just kind of think about those notifications, right? And yeah. And there's a, there's, you know, there's a bunch of different ways that you can go about that. You know, the, the one that just came to mind as you were talking is, why didn't I set that to every time I arm the security system in home mode, if the garage door is open, close it. Cause that's another easy way to do it for me. Like, cause it pulls in simply safe. So I can say, Hey, every time I put this into home mode, just check if the garage door is open. And if it is close it, um, yeah, one has a proximity sensor for me that says, if I leave this range, now I can do things, right? right? Do these kinds of things. And it could be one of those where it checks and says, now you don't, you don't like, the idea of an automatic closing garage door without you being there, but it could be one of those kinds of things to say, if I'm outside of the range, go ahead and automatically close it. Right. I and you could even add on to that. If both of us are out of range, because right. What if one's home and you're not, but Hey, if we're both out, you, there shouldn't be any reason that garage door should be open. So as a condition say, Hey, if Sarah's also out, then close it and then do a reverse. If Sarah leaves the premises and I'm also gone, close the garage door. Turn on my garage cam, film it for a minute, and yep. send me that video. Right. Because <laughs> you want to validate, right? Yep. You're like, did it shut? Did something get in the way? What's what's going on with it? I have a, you know, I have a Zmoto garage cam. Yeah. Get that cam on for a minute, record, and then go watch that video. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I, so to, I think Tajoski talked about earlier, I do have the wife alert. So whenever my wife leaves, because the thing in Home Assistant, I didn't know you could do, you can set multiple zones that are like geofences. So I put one around my work office. I put one around Hannah's work office. So now our location, which shows up in the dashboard, it either is home away if it doesn't know where we are, or if we enter one of those zones, it says at Hannah's work, at Mike's work. So when she leaves Hannah's work 
it sends me a push notification saying, hey, Hannah's left work. Mainly because that gives me a good idea of like, because I work from home, I know she's going to go pick up the kids. I know about how long it's going to take her to get home. And if I'm responsible for dinner that night, gives me enough time to to get that going. So a lot of cool things you can do with those sort of automations. And the NFC tag thing is a new thing. I didn't know this was new. We got into this at a good time, Jim, because NFC tags, first of all, they're super cheap. You can get like 30 of these little tags for 10 bucks um, off Amazon. So and any of them work. They all are configurable from your smartphone, iOS or Android. So you just, you know, you get a bag of these things, you tag it in Home Assistant, you give it a name. And then in Home Assistant, you say, what is, when I scan this tag, what do you want to do? So the the possibilities are endless with that. I saw a guy on YouTube, you know, he has one stuck to the the frame of his door of his office. So when he tags, as he walks into his office, he goes, I didn't want a motion sensor. So when people, when anyone walks in, it does my start my office routine. He goes, but I walk in the morning, I start it, turns on the lights the way I want it, turns on my music that I like to listen to when I play, turns on certain monitors because they're on smart switches. Like it just, his room configures to his morning routine because he tagged that NFC chip, which he goes, it's just, you can always do that via motion, but I want it to be me. Like I'm going to tag that tag and it's going to do something based on me. So NFC tags have kind of a different use case. And if you get really creative, I hadn't even thought about the aspect of, well, yeah, I would trigger this in one way with a motion sensor, but that means it's going to do that same thing. And when anyone walks in that room compared to I'm here for a purpose, let me tag this. So there have been a lot of people who have wherever they charge their phone when they sit down, just having an NFC tag sitting right there. So they set their phone down to charge. It triggers that tag, they press it. And it does whatever automation, you know, they need that to do, which is really cool. Kind of like a switch, right? It's I mean, exactly like a switch. Yeah. Put anywhere if for activities or whatever. Yeah. That can trigger a ton of just random automation that you can think of, whatever you want. Oh, no. I, I hadn't read the NFC part before the show. They have said NFC tags coming home this weekend. You should because they're a ton of fun. I mean, that's so I use, like I said, I use it in my car. So I tap it and I use it for open. Um, and I, I I've kind of been struggling to think of other use cases because I've been trying to think of things that I do that maybe Hannah doesn't, but they've been starting to come to me. So I have a bag of 30 of these things that I got from Amazon that are uh, just waiting for automations to be assigned right. to them. Right. Why not? Yeah. Right. Um, other, other, okay. So I'd said a second ago about Hubitat, some ability to do some customizations, maybe more developer focused, maybe a little bit more for the advanced user. I kind of made it sound like home assistant is for the average guy, but you can make configuration changes to this thing, right? You can oh, get yeah. in and update the update the code, right? Talk a little bit about that. You can. So one of the benefits of having the HasIO version, which is the if you're running Unraid or anything, uh, if you run it on the VM, you're going to get the HasIO. You're going to get the supervisors, what it's called, and you can add in add-ons. So when we talk about configurization, you can really get deep now. What you're first going to need to do that is something called Visual Studio. So when you get this add-on, it allows you to edit the config file just straight from the web browser. You're already in Home Assistant. Let's just have a plug in there. It's a certain tab, and you can go and edit the config file. The config file has, I mean, when you really get into Home Assistant, you'll learn all it can do, but it really tells the whole system what to pull in. So if it doesn't happen through an integration, it needs to be done in the config file. So, for example, all the cameras that I told you about earlier that are not ONVIF cameras, they're just random cameras with random uh, RTSP streams. Those, you need to use like the generic camera tag, tell it the IP address, and it's all in YAML. So, it's a YAML file that you're editing, you're putting that in. And the documentation is fantastic, by the way. 
they've that's what I love with the Home Assistant Project is they've done a great job of documentation. Uh, you can find it on their official site. Yeah, you know, they give examples of, hey, if I'm setting up a camera this way, this is how I would set it, which I love examples because it kind of helps me learn how to how to work in YAML. I had never worked with YAML files before. So it was my first time and, and I actually really enjoy it. It's actually worked out really well. But Visual Studio allows you to do that. It's a great little add-on. But when you start to get past that, so obviously that allows you to get into configuration and uh, you're going to start referencing the configuration file once you get really deep with this stuff. But some of the other fun stuff you can do Obviously, I talked about, you know, Home Assistant Community Store earlier. Well, that doesn't come with any version of Hasa, no matter how you install it. And that requires a little bit of editing to the base file system of the host. And But the great part about it is there's an add-on called Samba Share, and it makes that portion shareable to your network. Now, I would always encourage you, if this is on your main home network, maybe just enable it when you need it, disable it when you don't. Um, but I enabled it, and that's how you get the home... Um, Home Assistant Community Store. I keep for that for some reason hacks like doesn't stick in my head, but it's called hacks, H-A-C-S. So if you're a home assistant user and you haven't heard of hacks, H-A-C-S.xyz. It's also in the show notes. Head there. The installation process is very well documented. It gives you access to add-ons that were written by the community, which are really cool. For example, wise cameras, lights, switches, those are not supported by an integration for home assistant. And some community member went out, found the API for WISE and wrote an add-on for Home Assistant. And when you add that in and then you add two lines, which is just your username and password to the configuration file, you add those two lines in, you then have access to WISE bulbs. And I have a bunch of WISE bulbs in my basement that I had bought a long time ago. And I was like, oh, I wasn't able to use them before and now I am. So different things like that are really good. So I would I would definitely recommend getting hacks installed so you can do stuff like that. And then Node Red is like a whole nother rabbit hole, Jim. That I am, I have not pulled the. Tr- I have not, like I installed it. I am ready, but I know for me that is going to be like another two a.m. night because it's such a big rabbit hole. Node Red is essentially a very in-depth, um, completely customizable automation flow system. So if you think about a visual flow of like data and how it travels from node to node. That is node red. And okay, the data is going to start it at some device. It's going to go into a switch. It was going to change, you know, it's going to send it either here or here, depending on what I said. Then I need to change that data into a different format for a different trigger. Like it's very technical, but you literally, the sky is the limit on automations when you start to play around with node red. The built-in automation, I will say in Homeless is really good. The graphical interface is really easy to understand. Um, there's been only two or three times because when you're in the one in Home Assistant, they have the graphical interface, which is 99% of the time great for what you're doing. You can switch and edit it in a file format, like a text format, which helps a little bit if you're getting a little bit nerdy on things with some code. Uh, but And then Node-RED is even like a step beyond that. So like you have the graphical interface of Home Assistant for automations, which is like good for most things. Then you say, okay, that's not exactly doing what I want. Let's switch to the text format of that, which is good. Then Node Red is like, oh dude, you want to get into some stuff. You can get into some stuff with Node Red. So I have it installed. Again, that's another benefit. There's two ways of doing it. Jim, I think you installed it a different way. I went through the add-on store and added Node Red. It puts it because essentially the host system, when you run the VM, it runs its own Docker service within it. So all those add-ons are essentially dockers within your Haas.io install. 
but you can install all of these things externally. And Jim, I think you did Node Red externally in a Docker and Unred. Yeah, correct. Yeah, correct. And yeah. pretty easy to integrate between the two. Easy. Yeah. Now I didn't. I'm about as far as you are on Node Red. Yeah. <laughs> like I just installed it and did a few checks just to kind. Of, I was like, okay, this is going to be some work. But yeah, my my install in Unraid is different than yours. Two Docker's. So well, a Docker for for the core, and then. Yeah. I, I I had Code Red installed at one point. I changed some drives and lost everything and had to start over. But um, uh, that was okay because I learned some new things in the process of getting that done. Uh, and then I installed it via a Docker. Well, looks identical, so yep. very very little difference. Yeah, if you want to, if you want, it's kind of like the Visio of of the of the home automation world. I was like, have you ever used Microsoft yes, Visio? That is exactly what it's like. Kind of like it. Yeah. Yep. Except more helpful. Right. <laughs> Visio is not that helpful <laughs> from that standpoint. Um, Mike, one of the things I want to say, any well, hold on, anything else you want in that in that area you want to cover before we kind of move on to some just additional considerations as we Yeah, we should move on to yeah, additional stuff. Let me let me say in, in kind of uh, in response to a little bit in the chat room, we've talked about a bunch of different things here with all the digital with all the assistance. You know, Google and Amazons and a little bit of HomeKit with Siri. Um, we didn't mention that, but we could. Uh, Habitat, Home Assistant. You don't have to choose one. Like, no. This isn't a, this, I don't hear us as being like, you got to shift everything to Home Assistant. Each one of them has their strengths. And not, they do. not all of them can do everything. Yep, and I think there's even sometimes like I'm pretty sure somehow through Alexa up the a lady oh be quiet um that i got this printer integration thing working I'm, I'm not even sure how i did it myself for it to alert me that the the printer ink was low um for some people they don't like that they really want one thing like because to be honest it's hard to track all these things yeah lights go offline and you're like okay do i check the app that came with the lights do I check? Is it something in Hubitat? Is it something in in Home Assistant? Do I need to check with HomeKit? Do I need right? That gets a little annoying. But you can pick whatever you want on this. Like you don't, or you can have them all. I plan my Hubitat sticking on the wall. I I plan to keep that. There's some things I use it for. This Home Assistant's cool. I'm gonna try it out and give it some things. I am digging what comes in the the A Lady app on my mm-hmm. iPhone. There's some cool things there. Google's doing some great stuff in their app. So continue to use them all. Don't hear us like, oh yeah, yeah I gotta shift everything. Use the right tool for the right job. So yeah, I hope sometimes Mike's like you know me. Everyone knows me, guys. You've known me for a few years. I get excited about something. I just want to talk about it. I get I get invested in it. Um, and certain things just for some reason hit a chord with me. And, and Home Assistant did. The only the other thing about Home Assistant, and this would this would apply to Hubitat as well, that I liked is I always think of things in terms of my mom and dad. And here's why. My mom um, takes privacy pretty seriously. No smart devices in the house. Uh, no listening devices. You know, And not that it's like, don't bring those things in my home. She's like, why? She goes, I- I'm good, right? Like, I'm good doing things the manual way. Not a big hurt to me. Um, you know, just don't need things listening. And then my dad, on the other hand, is like really itching to get some automation. And so what I told him was Home Assistant or Hubitat in this standpoint, I'm just using Home Assistant, I said, dad, you could get some stuff up and running completely locally, no voice ties, no nothing. And you would have no cloud 
you know, listening devices. Now you might have like a TP link that reaches out to the cloud. But you could turn that off because it's local polling as well. I said, you could do a whole home automation on the LAN. And that was Hubitat's big draw. And, you know, so with either of those systems, if, if security is something that's really, really important to you, it's even more of a reason to check these two things out because you can set up. Now, Jim and I are both integrating devices that all have cloud access. You don't have to. You can go Zigbee Z-Wave and nothing ever hits the internet and you'd be fine. And then you don't even expose Home Assistant or Hubitat to the outside world. Don't even poke a hole through your firewall or don't do a reverse proxy like I'm doing. And you really don't. I mean, that thing is completely locked down and local to you. So that was another thing that got me intrigued was thinking, like, hey, for my dad, for someone who has a spouse who really doesn't want that kind of stuff, what what, what, can I, what would be mom approved in, in, in my world? For, for my mom and dad. And so this was actually pretty interesting. I was like, this this could be the solution for you, dad. And uh, and we started talking about some of the possibilities and how you really could have, you could have this, and this is also another plug to another podcast. We've Someone recommended it in this chat and I've been addicted ever since. Um, self-hosted is a great podcast and they have a good discord. One of the guys on the self-hosted podcast lives in an RV and sometimes he doesn't have internet connectivity. So what he loves about the system and the way he set it up is he can be off grid and everything still works perfectly. It doesn't need the cloud to access the way he has set it up, his home automations, his heaters in the RV, and he lives in this thing full time, uh, all still works. So it's just another cool way of having, whereas, you know, if you go a lady or, or Google, which are great, that's not true with those. You don't have internet. Those aren't working. Yeah. And you can create conflicting rules on those. So you have to be careful. Like you can yeah. set up a, when the sun comes up, turn this on. And on another one, you can say when the sun comes up, turn it off. And now you have like, you have conflicting, you know, uh, uh, stuff going on. So I get all that. Like you got to kind of manage your own thing, so to speak. For me, it, well, then the apps, they're all, the own individual apps have a lot of this capability. You, that TP link, which is Casa, uh, the Casa app is pretty powerful now. And you know, I've set these things up over the years. I came back to the Casa app after not looking at it for like a year. And I was like, oh, crap. Like they really added some, they got their, they got their act together in this app somewhere in the year, in the last year, they released something that was actually pretty usable, you yeah. know? And you're like, and I was like, well, okay. So now I've got the app. I have the digital assistants. I've got Hubitat. I've got a now home assistant. I could have home kit involved in this thing as well. Oh, I'm so glad you mentioned HomeKit. So the other really cool thing about this is if you're a HomeKit user, HomeKit and Home Assistant work extremely well together. And this is the cool part. So if you link HomeKit and Home Assistant, they mirror each other. So everything now that was accessible in Home Assistant is now available in HomeKit and vice versa. So there are things that are HomeKit compatible that aren't like you know home assistant can't have access to but now that you married those two they are which is really cool because you know everything in ios especially all the automations that are super easy to set up in home kit that could be a little bit more complicated home assistant well they're going to mirror each other so now those two are going to talk and if you have a home pod it's really a very secure way of running all this because you have a home pod talking to siri then all of that works because your home kit and home assistant are talking and the funny part is HomeKit works the best with Home Assistant compared to A-Lady or Google. A-Lady and Google are very complicated to get working together. They don't all sync. Nothing works. HomeKit and Home Assistant just work. It's like they were made to be married to each other. So if you do have HomeKit, even better to just try Home Assistant because it might give you a little more functionality than you had before. 
Any resource difference between the Docker and the VM that you know of? Not that I know of. Like I said, I ran both. Um, I ran that Docker for, well, I only ran the Docker for a few hours, but uh, I, I didn't notice any. So on a system like Unraid, the way it works is, you know, unless that VM is utilizing 100% of the CPUs you allocated to it, and I allocated one core, um, then it lets other Dockers use that CPU until the VM needs it. So just to let you guys know, on my system right now, with my VM, again, I have one core, and that's one core of an i7-3770, a really old CPU, two gigs of RAM. Uh, it's using 0.3% of that core. It's using 18% of the two gigs of RAM. And the supervisor on top of that is running 1% of that CPU core, 5.7% of the RAM, and I'm only using 13.3 gig, 13.3% of the 20 gigs of storage I gave it. So it's using like nothing. Now, if your hypervisor just totally blocks out those CPU cores, it might be a waste. So I could see it being an argument of, well, if you run as a VM in a system that just totally locks those cores out for those VMs that it's assigned to, then yeah, you could be wasting a whole entire core on something that doesn't even need a whole core. It needs like a fraction of that core. So it just depends. With Unraid, there is no difference between running as a VM and a Docker. Okay. Yeah, well, that... <clears throat> Performance-wise. My question, I, I have a Core i3-530. What does it say on there? Is it a five, it's a probably five. more powerful than my i7-3770. We should do a CPU benchmark. It's not very It's not very powerful. And I'm running, you know, the, the overall CPU load. This is everything, you know, somewhere between 2 and 15%. So it's pretty pretty light load uh, on this. And pretty cool. Oh, hey, let me let me just. I'm not going to change the subject, but before I forget, um, I was watching Unraid videos this weekend because of you. Thank you, Weger. I give you fun stuff to work on. And um, and I just got it. I was like, you know, I seen the Space Invader videos. <sighs> the best guy. Yes, yeah, they're a couple years old, but they're still very very applicable. Yep. Set up an Unraid box for the first time. He's got a three-part series on all the apps that you need to kind of be in there, and they're all applicable to today. So even though they were made in 2016, they all work today. Um, but I went down the rabbit trail, and I found a video by another guy who was talking about setting up, what was I trying to set up? Something else. Oh, the land cache. Oh, yeah. So I was, I, I was watching some videos just to familiarize myself on that. He's showing the Unraid website. Guess who's on the front page? Is that you and me? Was that during that time? It's us. That's he great. In the picture of us, because you know we made the front page with Unraid uh, yeah. for a while. I mean, they put us. I think we were up there for a couple months. Yeah. And um, and so I was like, you know, this video had I don't know, 80,000 views. You know, something like that, maybe more. And I was like, sweet. And he, it was up. All, it was almost up the whole video. Like it was like, and it's you, you can't, you could just see the bottom of me. I think <laughs> it's the all of Tony and all of you on that. I was like, Oh, how nice. Like we made somebody else's video. Yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. That is cool. We have, I got to get him back on. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll reach out to him. I think we'll let the release come out and some, I think they're in beta. Right. Yep. They are. It needs to go stable. And beta, it's, beta 35. Okay. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's kind of the reason I reset up my Unraid box is so that I, I, I felt, okay, don't, nobody tell him this, but I felt like I can't have him back on the show and be like, well, I turned the box off. You know, I was like, okay, I need to get back into this. And then of course it was perfect timing because you got me hooked on this, this home assistant and 
then I remembered like I've been pinging up against the, the, uh, you know, my bandwidth cap. And I'm like, well, maybe I should install that, that land cache and kind of help with the nine computers I have in here doing updates. We had another update yesterday come through or Tuesday. Have you tracked if it's working by the way? Like is um, it, it's yeah, pulling I go from in, the. Yeah. I go in there. You can tell from the speed yep. of the, and some of those other kinds of things, but um, yeah, so it's good. It's kind of good to have Unraid back up and running again. And, and I only have, you know, 800 gig, so it's not that big of a box, um, but it's, it's been kind of good to, to have it up and running again. What's funny to me is that we still haven't, obviously we haven't convinced you enough because it's not your main home server yet. And, and I'm just like, I'm shocked because you always talk about how easy it is, how great it is. I'm like, so why is it not yet, Jim, your well, main home server? Moro data box is, is drop dead simple. True. I forget that's what you're using. And you're right. That is a, it's a really good box to use. It's a really great box. Yeah, I just can't. You're right. If I was going to, if I was a small business tech guy and I was going to go, like they wanted to set up kind of basic file storage and backup and those kinds of things. No, hands down, hands down. The easiest thing, the easiest thing to administrate, the easiest thing to upgrade, the easiest thing to hook to backblaze. Like it is drop, just drop dead simple. And yeah, right. got, I forgot that was your main box. Some really cool technology too, where stuff you don't use, you know, because I have it's basically like a terabyte of cache is what yeah. I have. Now that's not totally true. It's like eight hundred gig. And I have two and a half, three terabytes of storage that I use. So I can't keep it all local. I don't need it all local. Most of it is Home Gadget Geeks episode 298. Like, I don't need 298 to be available to me it's somewhere local. I need, right. it, I need to pull it down from Backblaze. Uh, but but I, don't, I don't need it here. So that's, I, I'm in a, I'm kind of in a special case because I've got that Moro data box. I back up the Moro data box though to the Drobo. So that gets a backup copy of it. And I think if I run if I run this unraid long enough, I may start sending backup copies there too. So might as well. Yeah. Now we'll see. Right now, there's not enough date, not enough storage there. So with 800 gig, it's just not enough. But great land cache. Uh, it's going to be a great home automation device. It allows me to monkey around with the drives. Yep. So yeah, no, it's uh, super cool. Mike, any other considerations on? Home assistant, anything else we missed? Oh, man. Um, I mean, just know, though, like anytime you get into one of these, there's always going to be things that break or don't work. For example, it one of my TP-Link smart switches, and it's a known issue, and they're, they're working it out. Hopefully, we have a fix to the integration. Everything works great with TP-Link. Uh, my, my HS220, which is the dimmable wall switch, can't be discovered by the integration. I think there are some ways you can do it manually. There seems some things you can edit, but all the things I was reading, they're trying to get it just built into the integration. So I said, you know what? I don't, I can wait. Um, it works. It still works great with a lady works great with Google. So I'm still fine. I'm glad I put it in, but you know, there's gonna be little things like that. that just drive you absolutely nuts. And there's going to be a lot of the configuration stuff. Um, you know, we talked about it being a clean UI and it really is and getting up and running is good. When you start to get deeper, you're going to break things a lot. Like my automations, there, yeah. one of them took me forever because it would not fire. Turns out, you know, it's because Simply Safe is a cloud polling, and they don't allow a lot of polls, so it does it like every thirty seconds. So I would say, open the door and turn on the living room lights. That's how I tried to do it the first time. Was instead of my garage door, it was Simply Safe, and I would open it, 
nothing. I'm like, why isn't this working? And it would try. And I, it took me forever to figure out it was just because when you look in Home Assistant, I would go, then I would go over the computer. By then, it had been past 30 seconds. I was like, oh, yeah, it executed or, or whatever, or something was breaking. So just be patient. You know, it, the, the confusing part to me is it looks really polished and it is, but there's still a lot behind the scenes you need to do and things that, you know, might break and they update all the time. And, you know, there are things that will work fine. And all of a sudden, one day, your integration, just your automation won't work. And, uh, but, it, but it makes it kind of fun. But don't expect this, don't expect it to be like a home kit, an A lady, a Google, where, you know, in those products, they work pretty well, right? Like when they work, they work and they're, they're pretty polished. Um, it, that, I mean, it's not what you're going to get. You know, there might be a random update and all of a sudden, one of your automations doesn't work. Uh, I set it up in an hour. Like, yeah. I had everything up and running and, and like, Oh, and then, you know, I had to push the button for my Philips hue, found it, found all the TP link devices just right off the bat, yep. which made me worry a little bit. Like maybe those things are too open. <laughs> no, they're on the network. Okay. To be fair, it's all on the network. It's all on the local yep. land. Here, so, well, actually that was finding with TP link in the UK. So, in the UK, TP-Link issued a new firmware, and they actually closed down port, I think it was 999 or maybe 9,999. One of those ports they had opened for that kind of stuff, and they actually closed it because someone had found a vulnerability. Well, then the whole Home Assistant community out in Europe freaked out because then it wasn't local polling anymore, and it broke that connection and it wasn't working and TP-Link didn't realize how many people utilize that, like Home Assistant, things like third-party apps that actually are authentic, that people like. And uh, so they're now in freakout mode currently. They have a beta firmware version that if you go to their forums and you message them and you give them their MAC address, they will send that device via the cloud a beta firmware that opens back up the port. This is all in the UK. I found this out. I thought that was the reason my... HS220 wasn't working. So I pinged them in it and they said, actually, you're in the US. That's only a UK issue. So you you should be fine. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, there's still those those little those little things. You're gonna find one thing you bought that's not gonna integrate. It's gonna drive you crazy. Yeah. Uh, I, Mike, I just standardized on a set of plugs from you know TP Link. Yeah. Casa, right. They're great. <laughs> they are great plugs, and I threw the other ones out. I, I, I mean, I, you literally just smash them because I don't want to. I don't want to be tempted to use them again. It's not because I'm trying to protect myself. Although that's probably a smart idea too. But um, uh, just smash them because I don't want to use them again because they're a pain in the. You know, I, I, I always think, oh, I'll just put it in this corner. Nobody will ever use it. It'd be a great thing. To, and then you know, it causes all kinds of problems on the network. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mentioned last week my the TP Link. Um, no, the D-Link cameras that we've been using were causing tons of Wi-Fi interference on my network, right? And we're causing the Ring cameras to go. So I took those down and took them off all week because they're still sitting right here. All week I've been like, maybe I'll buy another wireless router. Right? You start coming up with excuses, right? Yeah. Like, oh, boy, I could. they're just sitting there. I could be using them, you know, maybe I'll. No, maybe no. I find that work in my shed, and then I, you know, I'll stream. Yeah, like you come up with all kinds of stupid things. Although that's actually a really good idea, just to be honest. And um, you know, I'll tunnel. I'll send a, uh, I'll send a signal from the house out to the shed. It'll receive it, and then I'll have a separate VLAN out there. That's crazy. Don't do that, Jim. So, um, 
good a good thing I think when we're replacing some of these. If you have really old gear, it's probably time to upgrade it. Just to be honest, like you know, if you got an old Switch, I got Switches for seven dollars. Don't buy them now. Don't buy right now. Like it's Christmas time. Don't, they're probably not going to find the de- the deals. January might be a whole different story. And that may be the time to actually replace things. You go the switch route. I go the, I go the plug route. We get to the same, you know, in a lot of cases, we get to the same yeah. uh, result. We just do it different ways because the way my home is set up. I actually oh, have, I have a ton of those plugs too. Like all, I just repurposed them because I have them for all the RFI devices. We talked about that. I have them all for the Christmas tree and all the Christmas. I think I have six or seven of those plugs and then three of the switches. Those switches, by the way, right now, if you go on Amazon, are on sale for a single pole TP-Link smart switch, 13 bucks. Not bad. Yeah. And the plugs that I bought, um, I bought a three-pack for 21 bucks. Now, that they're not available right now, but Ooh, they, they'll yeah. be back, so the seven bucks each. It's a pretty good way to get into the plug. They're, they are drop-dead simple to set up. Yeah. I just... It, it made my heart leap a little bit when I plugged them in and the phone found it and I, it was like three things in the app and it was ready. I was like, and oh. then, then they show up in Home Assistant? They show up everywhere. Uh, the yeah. next day I talked to the A-Lady, uh, she was like, hey, I found some new things. Do you want to put them in? Like, yes. Yeah. Yes, I do. <laughs> Thank you. So, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of great uh, automation. Two, two things I haven't been able to get working. Both of them are Govi and I don't think they're going to work. I looked into the Home Assistant integration. I've got the Govi pivot, which is a 360 degree pivot camera that, that I have in the, I currently have in the garage and it's uh it's a Wi-Fi it's Wi-Fi enabled, but not RTSP. And Govi's got some really, no, 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 that's not a Govi. That's a, uh, shoot. Now that's escaping me. Uh, not, not working. I, they're going to do some digging on that. Okay. And I really love the, I have the Govi for, for the for the candles that I keep that I keep down here, so I have a a, Go, a Govi humostat down there. Oh yeah, can you pull that into Home Assistant? No, not oh. that I figured. I still need to figure it out. Didn't I looked in? No native um, integration for it. Because yeah, that'd be great, right? Because mm-hmm. have today, you know, today I have today I have it set up on a uh, this is a seven inch uh, Fire tablet. And it's kind of just a dedicated Kobe monitor sits on my, yeah, because it's just a terrible tablet. These are, these the, are, terrible. that could be a great dashboard for Home Assistant. All oh, right. Or Hubitat. Work. Yeah. yeah that'll work too. These things are slower than anything. They're just awful. No memory in them. They're just terrible, but they make great monitors for apps and that kind of stuff. The other, the other thing is the, uh, the eye grill, you know, put this on there, c- carry it up, put it oh, by the door. Yeah. Makes a great monitor for the yeah. eye grill. Um, I, by the way, I put the meter thermos or the temperature probes on my Christmas list. So I'm kind of hoping Santa brings me some Wi-Fi enabled uh, temperature probes. Right? Now those have both the meter, right? And are they called meter? Meter. Yep. Meter. And they the the ones I asked for are the ones that have the probe both inside and outside. So it, you put it in and it measures the ambient temperature around the meat and the meat temperature. It's great. Oh, heaven. Yeah. And I just found Jim Govi. You can get it in if you edit the config file. All right. Well, okay. So maybe that's my chore this weekend is because I, I didn't, I wanted to set it up completely standard 
to start with. Like, well, and you like, might, I, like I said, I think it's all in the app data folder. So you should probably just go and edit the YAML. Um, I know you say that, but then you're like, oh yeah, you could do this and that. And you say words that don't make any <laughs> sense. Right? And I'm like, no, I, you're like easy. And then I hear is wah, 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 wah. So here, uh, do you have the ability to, once I want to see where this is at. I totally do this, but it it is, oh. in my mind, it's customization as opposed to kind of standard out of the box, average guy stuff. Yeah. Um, Brian says he has some uh, Govi smart bulbs. I had a Govi smart bulb that I had to just destroy because it just was not doing what I wanted to do. Uh, they have intermittent connection issues. This one had intermittent lighting issues. It would not, I had bought it that to have a motion sensor just in the bottom of it. It wasn't smart. Um, it didn't work very well. So I bought two, one worked great. The other didn't work very well. So I just tossed it. And that's when I put that, I put that, you know, that three, that fan, that led fan. That's looks, that's, that's like, yeah. Um, I put that, I put that out there. I still have to buy the adapter. I'm kind of waiting until I can find an adapter. That's not a Chinese company that I've never heard of before. So I'm kind of waiting, like I'm waiting for Hugh or somebody else to put that's what I'm, it. If I go black, it's because I bought all those sensors from AliExpress <laughs> and my whole network got hacked and everything. Yeah, he never even existed. Yeah. <laughs> He's completely gone. He's gone. All the podcasts, I have done them with somebody. It's not you, though. They'll He's have disappeared. Replaced, replaced all that uh, all that video. Yep. How great would that be? Anything else before I wrap it? No. I mean, it, this will be something we, you know, we'll always, this is obviously the, I've only had this thing for a week, so yeah. as Jim. So if we find cool stuff, we'll give you guys updates, obviously. But we want to give you one show we really dive in deep of, you know, just giving you an option. Um, but I, I think it's just important to echo what Jim said earlier, right? Like, we've done an episode with Hubitat. We've done an episode on Home Assistant. Um, we love a lady. I have a million a lady devices, like play around with all of them, use all of them. We're always going to, you know, give you the pros and cons, but, uh, it's never meant that one's better or worse than the others. Hey, uh, you probably didn't know this windows has a ring app. That's actually pretty good. Now it hasn't been updated in like four years, but it, it does what it's supposed to do. Like maybe it's better that it hasn't been updated. Like they wrote it. They haven't broke it. (laughs) They wrote it. It works. You can go in, um, you know, so I just set the app up on a screen and it's showing me every time I get a new picture, you know, and I have them refreshing about every 30 minutes or whatever that, whatever that is. And so when I get an alert on my watch that there's a new ring notification, I just go over and click on it because this replaced Sighthound for me. Click on it and it immediately just goes to the live view, which is exactly what I try and do on the phone. Then it doesn't work. No, the ring, the iOS ring app, is actually really helpful, except for that. Like, by the time you hear something, you pick up your phone, you get the voice, or you get the face ID, you find the ring, you go find the notification, click on it, it's the, it's gone. They're long gone. Like, it doesn't make any sense. They've rang the doorbell and knitted a sweater in the time that you <laughs> you get to them, right? right. And, and on yeah. the phone. This, now, uh, I don't have a mic set up, so I couldn't, but if I did, I could use the Windows app, click through. I'm, do, I'm there within five seconds. I'm I'm video and audio, and they can hear me. I don't have a mic set up, but they could. So that's one of those weird things. You're like, oh, my God, this is a Windows Store app. Hasn't been updated since 2016, and it's actually good. You're like, hmm, okay, that's interesting. I never anticipated that happening. But I think that Fun goes... Surprise. 
we're just in that space where, you know, it's good in some spots and not good in others. And the ecosystems have not necessarily come together. It's good for us that they don't because it gives us some stuff to talk about. Right. Um, so, um, you know, uh, Mike, to what you said, continue to experiment. I'm sure yeah. you're going to hear a lot about Home Assistant and other things coming up because we're this is now fueled the fire for more of those conversations. Oh, for so. sure. And as an example of maybe an automation that I need to alter, Hannah must have just gone to bed and told a lady goodnight because everything just went dark here. It's a little scary because the only lights I have aren't right in front of me. Someone could be right next to me. I wouldn't know right now because all the lights just went black in my basement. Spurred into the wand. Do you guys still use the wand? for? No. Well, we no, we have that in one area, but um, this is just in the bedroom. My battery died on the wand and we never set it back up again. It just hasn't been needed because I literally have coverage everywhere now. It's in my garage is where it's yeah. at. I, I bought the, uh, what, what what's the small ones called that I, I um, that's what I need for the garage. I need that so I can get rid of the flex, wand. Flex in the garage, flex yeah. in the TV room. There's a show five in the living room. There's a show five in the kitchen. There's one that we have uh, the original in our bedroom. I've got the, uh, one of the other ones in the other bedroom. It's covered. I mean, it's, it's super unfortunate that Amazon and Google got in that feud a while ago and they got rid of the YouTube app because I was such a, I was a fire TV user. I don't know how many fire TVs I have in this drawer here, probably five that I, that I pulled all out because I got so mad because all I do is watch YouTube and now with YouTube TV, but it was perfect because I had an A lady in a room and it knew which fire TV was in that room. And you didn't even have to tell it what to play it on. You just said, a lady, uh, open Hulu and play the show. And it was like, boop, and it just showed up. I miss that so much. And I think my wife does too. Um, but I don't know if YouTube's back on Amazon Fire. If it is. I think you get it through the browser. Yeah. See, you no. can open the browser and it'll no. take you to YouTube. How, how are you having a media device that can't play YouTube? Like, no. yeah. Brian says he recommends the Rapid Ring app. It's faster Ooh, version. Okay. Check on that out. mobile or on PC, Brian? iOS. I would think so too. Well, a couple of reminders before we go. One, if you support the show, and I always appreciate those oh, Alex of you. Said that too. <laughs> they both recommended it right at the same time. Nice job, guys. If you uh, if you want to support the show, uh, other than just coming out and listening to it, and that's actually all I ask. Just you know, come out and listen to us, or download us, whatever you do. I appreciate you guys. Uh, you can do that. slash patreon Next week, Ryan and Bob from ThinkComputers.org uh, are going to be here. We're going to talk about builds. So, Mike, CPU and GPU markets right now. Not so. Yes. So we're going to get the lowdown. Those are two guys that are in that space a lot. And Ryan is working. You know, we did some cooling. We did a cooling segment the last time he was on. He was showing some things on the show last night that were just around cooling that were just ridiculous. Like, I was like, wow. So those guys are coming on here next week. I think that's the third. No, it's the 17th. And we'd love to have you come out and join that conversation. If you're thinking about doing a build in the next month or two, not many guys do that anymore. But if you're thinking about it, come out and join us. Even if you're not thinking about it, come out and join us uh, next week. Uh, Bob Ryan coming on. If you want to join Mike, mention the Discord channel quite a bit. If you want to join us there, theaverageguy.tv slash Discord. If you want to leave a message for us, I think this is working again, homegadgetgeeks.com. Mike, uh, see if you can go to homegadgetgeeks.com right now while I'm talking. And uh, there's a microphone button in the bottom right-hand corner. For some reason, when I needed it the most, I think that's because a whole bunch of people went there to try to leave messages. Takes me to it, pod page. Is that what it's supposed yeah, to do? Yeah, pod page instance. 
yep. over on the right hand side down in the bottom there's a little microphone there click it, it 30 second voicemail you got a question you want to leave us some feedback you got a comment i might even take a good baba booey if somebody was on there baba booey, baba booey. all right so uh <laughs> head over to the homecatchgeeks.com and leave that voicemail we'll play them here on the show and the better i maybe the crazier the better i shouldn't say that Leave us normal messages. I want the crazy ones. You can you can put those in too. They'll just come straight to me. Yeah, well, I'd love to have your comments. You heard them on the show last week. We can do it. It works pretty well when Jim pushes us the right buttons, okay? You can contact the show via email, jim at theaverageguy.tv. Find me on Twitter at Jay Collison, at Uyghur Tech for that guy across from me. If you want to join the Facebook group, it's theaverageguy.tv slash Facebook. Super easy to remember. Don't forget the AverageGuy.tv powered both web and media hosting by Maple Grove Partners. Get secure, reliable, high-speed hosting and that you from, from somebody you know and trust. MapleGrovePartners.com. If you need a domain, you can support the show by heading out to the AverageGuy.tv slash hover. Mike, I do these ads and then like during while I'm doing them, nobody ever uses them. And I always think this was stupid. Then as soon as I stop doing them, Everybody starts using them. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. I'm getting, um, I've been getting a bunch of Otter uh, subscription, you know, because I talked about Otter on the show, I don't know, three months ago. Yeah. You know, and lately, every week, I've been getting a, a free hundred hours of Otter because somebody signed up using your link. I was like, that was three months ago. Kind of crazy. So it's like, I you don't think, tell me when to use it, Jim. I'll, I'll, I'll use it when you're not talking about it. Okay. <laughs> you're not the boss of me. You don't tell me when to use things. And so we appreciate you guys doing that as well. During the holidays, if you're struggling to eat, of course, if you're struggling to figure out what you're going to eat, Mike, life-changing, life-changing HelloFresh. I almost said Blue It's Apron. been a while since you've talked about HelloFresh. I almost like just to see what you... <laughs> I was going to... If oh, you're... Okay. Uh, you've got all kinds of codes. Contact me, Jim, at theaverageguy.tv if you want to try it free for a week. I don't even think that's the deal anymore. I think they like... I think the new deal is like you get like $120 off, but it has to be spread out over like six weeks or eight weeks or something. Uh, and, or I have just a $40 plan, $40 off any of the plans. We make 20 over here at the show. So either way, whatever you want to do, if you want to, if you want to give it a try, HelloFresh, uh, just send me an email, Jim at TheAverageGuy.tv, and I'll send you a code. We are live every Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, out here at TheAverageGuy.tv live. Thanks for joining us live tonight for everybody. Brian and Andrew and Joe and Ken was out there a little bit earlier. Dave was out there. In fact, Dave said, uh, great nerdy episode. Very, It was kind of nerdy. Kind of nice to get back to some nerdery. Yeah. Better than that jackassery that we did last week. <laughs> <laughs> live Thursday nights, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern here at TheAverageGuy.tv slash live. Thanks for joining us. Stay around for a little bit of post-show. With that, we'll say goodbye. Man.